Hey, Rhonda Brunson, thank you for joining the Picking Strawberries podcast. I'm absolutely delighted that you're here. I have Candy Tebbs as a guest today who received the unimaginable phone call three years ago that she had lost her 32-year-old son, Clinton, to a drowning accident. A beautiful life well-lived, full of effort, energy, compassion, and just love. So today we walk through some of her most cherished memories, how she gets through those really hard days, how her perspective has changed in the last three years, and just through heavy, heavy grief, how does she find the beauty in every day? Thanks for listening to the show. I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here. If you're looking for a community who's searching for the beauty in every day, having authentic conversations about how we can give back and make this a better place, I encourage you to subscribe to Picking Strawberries. Join me and my guests as we're talking about real things, real life, and how we can take the positive and make us better and all the people around us shine brighter. Candy Tebbs, welcome to Picking Strawberries. I am so glad you're here. I think we're about to get vulnerable. I think we're about to get real. And uh, I appreciate that you said yes. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rhonda. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So I wanted to start this conversation, which just really honoring Clinton, a beautiful life, well-lived, I didn't know him, but all the stories that I've ever heard, all the stories of all the things, of all the memories, what is your one most cherished memory? Gosh, Rhonda, I'm already emotional. I know. I know. Well, obviously, I have 32 years worth of fabulous memories, but the one that is probably the heaviest on my heart all the time is um, the last moment that I was with him. And, you know, Clinton was so excited because he was going to the lake and he couldn't wait. He was going with a good buddy and they were just going to have the time of their life. So, you know, mom was going to rub sunscreen on him just to have that base coat. So it was just one of those tender mom-son moments. And Mm. I was so fortunate to have had that moment with him where I'm rubbing sunscreen on him and I'm being real careful to get down there on the waistband because you know when those swim trunks get wet they get a little heavy so it was that beautiful sweet moment that I had with him that is the most precious and not everyone has that opportunity to have that final moment so I'm so grateful for that I've never heard that. And I feel like that's such a testament to your relationship with him, that at 32, you got to have that moment. That's really beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you. I feel like it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, even at the time, it was like, oh, he gave me some grace to be his mommy for just a minute. Yeah. Just allowed that. You know, they don't always allow that. So Sure. Sure. If you could sum up his legacy in just a few sentences, how would you sum that up today? That's a great question. I feel like his legacy was bringing people together. I feel like he always wanted his friends and family to be together, to share experiences and 
to just love and be happy and be in the moment. And I think that he just loved so fiercely and he made people feel extremely important. And that legacy of his kindness and just how he made people feel. Mm, And I can say the same about you. I see that. I see that in you. How do you think Clinton would want to be remembered? I think he'd want to be remembered by all the effort that he put into this world. He worked hard at getting his electrical engineering degree from Iowa. He worked hard in the CrossFit gym. He worked hard at loving people. He worked hard at being an entertainer. I think it's the effort that he put into this world. And that's just a a life well lived, right? Showing up, showing up every day. Oh, so how has the past three years, you know, not easy as all of us can imagine or not imagine. I mean, these are unimaginable three years and working through grief. I would guess that's a continual process. How has that changed your perspective or changed how you're living your life? Well, sometimes I feel like I'm just one of the lucky ones that I think maybe for me, sometimes it's easier than it is for others to see the good stuff, to see the light in the darkness. And I don't always see it. It's not always there for me. Sometimes I have to search. But I feel like sometimes I I can just, um, maybe it's my rose-colored glasses sometimes that I see things through that maybe isn't the most realistic way, but um, I think that's, and I'm just so fortunate to have had a boy who is very passionate about life, but I think that's a hard one. Yeah. 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 On the hard days, what do you do to make it through? And sometimes for me, it's not a full day. Sometimes I might have 10, five minute moments that are just so heavy in grief whether it's that sadness that is just surfacing or, you know, that the loss is so overpowering. But if I'm in a space where I kind of just allow myself to feel that pain and lean into that pain, I mean, I can just let it take me where it needs to go, you know, and I'll cry when I look at pictures. I can cry when I hear a certain song come on. But a lot of times, you know, I'll text people and and just let them know, you know, how I feel. And so reaching out is sometimes a part of how you make it through. Yes. And I know that those people are there and I I do absolutely reach out to them. Just like when I text you and say, I'm really thinking about this. I'm really this is on my mind. Yeah. So how did you do that? How did you, in the midst of this hard, heavy grief, surround yourself with that love and support that you needed? Well, I think that I I have to figure out first, I have to do some self-assessment and I have to be able to have the realizations of this is what's going on. I know I need to reach out. And then when I reach out, I have to have that transparency with people because we're not mind readers. My friends can't read my mind, you know, and, and thankfully my coping mechanism is communication. So I'm like, I'll go tell it on the mountain. You know, I can't really hide my emotions very well. And that's a beautiful thing because I have such 
wonderful friends who are terrific listeners and encouragers and empathetic hearts that I'm, you know, that I'm lucky. I'm just very fortunate. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, you did a grief group share. Is that right? Like you went through a group. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Just that so people know that exists, right? There is, there is that external help out there. There sure is. And it was wonderful. Different venues will host this griefshare.org and Pathway Church in Burleson happened to host this one. And it was a 13 week course and it's a once a week. And it was the most informational, like you have to understand what's happening to you a lot of the times before you can move through it. And it just makes it easier to comprehend and to maybe anticipate what's going to happen next. So yeah, that was probably the most beneficial part of my process is going through that class. And do you think there's a time frame on that? Like it's best maybe during the first six months, after a year, do you just after going through it, did you see anything like this would be more helpful during this time of grief? Or is that, do you think, individual? I think it's individual, but that's a great question because I ended up going four different times. So four different 13-week times back to back. And the most interesting part, Rhonda, is that when I put effort into that, they've got a workbook and they encourage you to journal in this workbook as you're going through it. And in the classes, they have these 30 to 45-minute videos, which they've perfectly edited. And it's wonderful. And I can cry through those. I bet I cried through many, many over and over the same videos each time I retook it. But I went in like a couple months after Clinton died, I began the process. And I would say my third time in probably was the most critical. But for me, it was all on how much did I journal? How much was I allowing that to be absorbed through my life? And when I allowed that, that's when I could really make progress and really move through some grief and feel that pain. I wonder too, if you you had to be ready to allow it. I mean, I would guess that's not something you can force. You're ready or you're not ready. Yeah. And I really think that it was, um, you know, in the beginning, sometimes it doesn't even have to be tragic. I don't feel like, I feel like even if someone has had some kind of illness and they've had a caregiver for a long time, that that can still, you're, you're still not really ever prepared for that loss. That it can, the shock of it really can be a deterrent from you moving forward. But we need that shock, that shock for, it's a beautiful thing. How has your new reality right now today, three years later, created beauty within you? That's such a good question. And I'm, I can see a lot of beauty in the world. It's not hard for me to see that. Like I've got my favorite places, my favorite trees, my favorite flowers. Like I'll drive by my favorite trees in Burleson and just be in harmony and loving it. And it's, it's wonderful. It's kind of like, well, it's art to me really, right? And as a kid, I can remember my mom saying, don't forget to stop and smell the roses. And I take that so literal. I think she meant it in a literal way too. 
But yeah, I'm I'm lucky that I had Clinton for 32 years and not every parent has their child for 32 years. What a great perspective. Yeah. So as you look out, we're messy, we're amazing, we're chaotic, we're mesmerizing, right? This whole just crazy world that's just all the good, the bad, the creative, the all the things. How do you continue to find that beauty every day? Well, I think like in the gym, when you and I are in there working out with all of our gal pals and all of our friends, I feel like it's a perspective. I feel like some days are harder than others. I feel like ultimately, you know, we're just happy to be there. And sometimes that's what our coaches tell us. We're just happy you showed up at 5 a.m. Right. (laughs) I see life sometimes as a comedy. I don't know that that's appropriate or inappropriate, but sometimes I see the humor in, in birth. I see the humor in death. I just, it's not death itself, but maybe the aftermath and, and how they affected our world and, and, um, all the magic that people can bring to someone else's life. Mm, the magic people bring to someone else's life. I feel like that needs to be its own, its own quote page. So you, Candy, recently became a grandmother. So do you know what, what are you called? Have we decided that? I am called Grandma. Grandma. I, okay. I, us us I Midwesterners. I so hard, Rhonda, to yeah. take like a cool Southern name. Now, us being from the Midwest, you know, we, yes. it's hard for us to go by any other name than Grandma. And I couldn't do it. Well, so try. much respect, right? I just have so much respect for that title. Yes. It would be hard to give it up. Yeah. So we're celebrating new life. Your daughter had a beautiful, beautiful little girl, maybe the cutest little girl on the planet. Is there anything about this new life starting that's surprising you? Oh my gosh, Dallas Ruth is seriously a gift from heaven. And it's so ironic that we, Clinton and Corinne discussed, Corinne's my daughter, discussed how he would be called Uncle Bobby. So that's kind of the, <laughs> makes no sense, but that's what yeah. it's going to be. I was like, was that his middle name? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had nothing to do. It's kind of a nickname that the family would call It him. actually makes total sense to me. Just knowing what I know about Clinton, I'm like, yeah, Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the most surprising was watching my daughter become a mom and how she embraced yeah. this whole new world. It was profound. And even through all of her grief and everything that she's been through with losing her brother and her husband, James has just been right by her side. And his family has been so wonderful too. And how they came together and created this new little heartbeat. It is yeah, spectacular. And, and when she had Dallas Ruth, I could see what Clinton would have done. I could hear it and I could see it because he would have walked in that hospital with the Lion King soundtrack playing, and it would have been the circle of life. <laughs> and he would have been playing very loudly on his phone. It would have been spectacular. Oh, I can see it. I can see it too. <laughs> so if you could, I think that there are a lot of grieving people out there. And I think that it's kind of another one of those things that can feel really isolating. And you feel like you're the only one. And it's, it's not true 
right? It is a shared human experience. So if you could tell someone who's covered deeply in grief right now today, that's listening to this podcast, one thing, what would you say to them as you're walking through this? Thank you for asking that. I am so lucky to have had a very wise man, and it happens to be Dallas Ruth's papa. But he sat with Corinne and I in Crowley, Texas, in a Starbucks. And this was the week after Clinton died. And he was just kind of encouraging us to flow with the river, to allow our emotions to go with the river. And it was going to have, we were going to have those calm moments and we were going to have those roaring rapids and that we just needed to allow ourselves to feel all of those emotions. And I'll never forget him saying, whatever you do, don't, don't turn around and try to push it back. You can't push it back because that emotion and that grief is going to be so strong that you're not going to be able to hold it back. And I mean, he's right because it, it becomes so heavy and so cumbersome that that, that right there was the, the best advice. What a fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic piece of wisdom. It really was beautiful. And I have repeated that to people who have lost a loved one and because it was so meaningful to me and so impactful. Well, I always close the show with the kind of fun, rapid fire, get to know Candy Tebs questions. But is there anything you wanted to add? Is there anything like I missed asking or you think is important to add to what we talked about today? Maybe to reiterate the importance of reaching out to people. When you're in grief, I think we think that people should come to us. And like I said before, our friends cannot read our minds. They don't know, especially if they've never experienced grief, they don't know what to do. And we need to be very transparent with them and not only tell them that we're sad, what we're going through, but maybe if we can even assess it, tell them what we need from them. You know, do they need to come sit with us? Do we need to, because just this moment, Rhonda, this is so wonderful that you're allowing me to talk about Clinton, to say his name, to share his stories. And I really think that is the, that's the thing that people want to do. Because sometimes I think in families, people are afraid to mention it. I've heard many people say, my family doesn't talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it or they don't want to make me cry. No, we're probably going to cry anyway. We're probably going to cry whether the name comes out or not. But it is wonderful to hear your loved one's name. And it's wonderful to talk about. So thank you for allowing me yes. to do that. Oh. What's just wonderful. You are just this beautiful, shining light. And I just knew if we could talk about this, that, you know, that light will shine on so many other people. All right. You ready for my, these are the hardest questions right here. Candy Tubbs, what is your go-to snack? Oh my gosh, this is a new one. <laughs> and it's really not full of sugar. You'll be so proud of me. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. The last couple weeks I have been down with Greek yogurt, coconut flavored Greek yogurt. Oh, Chobani. It's delicious. Okay. That is so random. And Isn't I love it? that. Now I have to try it. Okay. 
What was your favorite toy as a child? You know, teddy bear. Teddy bear. I was all about stuffed animals, but my mother, bless her heart, I'd leave that teddy bear outside. She'd have to sew the eyes and the nose back on that thing like once a week. Excellent. Do you still have that teddy bear? I don't know. No, I don't know where it's going. No, he's lost. Okay. He has a new home. We'll go with that. (laughs) How do you spend a rainy day? Oh, in utter happiness. Oh, you're another one that likes the rain. Yes. You know, I'm all about nature. So when I know that the animals get to have a drink and I don't have to water my flowers because they're getting the best moisture that they could possibly get, the lakes and the rivers are filling up. Yeah, I'm so happy. Yeah, just a happy day. Well, since we work out together, you know, I have to ask this. What is your favorite lift at the gym? You know, Rhonda, I struggle with RDLs. Yes. Hayden Cobb for seven, over seven years. Seven has years. And coached me through that awful movement. But I'm going to say now that might be my favorite move. Not heavy. Okay. I'm, I'm actually completely shocked by this. I, considering I the words that have been said, considering yeah. that lift. Okay. I know. I'm going to attribute that to Hayden. Okay. We'll give it to him. What inspires you? Oh, that's a good question. I think the next generation inspires me. And I think me that too. Was, was born. There's so, there's so much there. There's so much innocence in her generation, but the next generation coming up, I've always said they're just so smart. They're yeah. witty and they're smart. Yeah. They're inspirational. All right. Let's close it out with one word to describe your life today. Cheerfulness. Mm, I see that. I see that. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for just saying yes to this. I feel like this could have been an easy no, but you got real and you got vulnerable and um, it's just appreciated. We need more of that, right? I think that's helpful. Thank you. It's funny that I will cry. I'm strong. I think I'm strong. And the moment that something happens, I find myself in tears. (laughs) Yeah. But there's strength in that. Yeah. There's strength in being real and allowing those tears. Sometimes you have strength in being real. Yeah. You have to be in a safe environment. So thank you for being safe. Thank you, Candy Tebbs, for being a guest on the Picking Strawberries podcast, for sharing the memories of your son, Clinton, and for sharing with us as you walk through those heavy, heavy, dark places of grief, how you're finding the beauty in every day. You are a precious soul and such a bright light. If you know someone who's also in those dark places of grief, I encourage you to share this podcast with them, to be that light and that person reaching in. 